Matt, I have a perfect stat for that. You ready? Yeah. Carson Palmer's career passer rating against the AFC North, 86.4. Now he did have a winning record. Andy Dalton's career Mm -hmm. passer rating against the AFC North, 82.3. Joe Burrow, now in five games, all these games against playoff teams. Um, Well, we'll see about the Steelers this year. Passer rating 93.7 in the AFC North. For the first time since 1995, the Bengals walk out of Heinz Field as double-digit victors. For the first time since 2012-2013. 2012-2013, Matt, I I coach kids in about 75% of the kids that I'm coaching this fall, Matt, we're not alive the last time the Bengals won back-to-back <laughs> games against the Pittsburgh Steelers. They weren't even alive. And 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 now they've done that. The, the Bengals have crossed off the biggest check mark of Cincinnati Bengals seasons to check off, beating the Pittsburgh Steelers. Any season that's ever had any importance to the Cincinnati Bengals, there is a win against the Pittsburgh Steelers, especially an early season win. And Matt, we got that on Sunday. And not only did we get it, it was 60 minutes of really comfortable watching. I mean, I don't think there was really any moments where you felt nervous as a Cincinnati Bengals fan outside of the fact they're playing the Steelers and it could always go wrong. But they really dominated Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. And this this might have been the change. This might have been the moment where the franchise can kickstart and this season can kickstart into something special. Exactly. Yeah, I can tell that you're excited. But that, that game, I mean, we knew that this was going to have to be a big one for Zach Taylor, too, in terms of play calling, in terms of the Bengals going into Pittsburgh and doing what they have rarely ever fucking done before. But when we were waiting, like, oh, there's too much time on the clock, you know, if they're able to score a touchdown here, And, I mean, fourth and out, Big Ben throwing up ducks, looking like he's running through molasses. He had absolutely – he looked terrible, and it was wonderful. And when all of the Steelers fans started to leave in the middle of the fourth quarter, that's when it sets in and you're like, okay, all right, this is actually happening. I love being on the other side of this for once. Yeah, and it was the first time they've scored more than 20 points in Heinz Field since 2007. Um, which was actually 2006. So this was the first time the Bengals had scored more than 20 points at Heinz Field against Mike Tomlin. Mm. First time ever against Mike Tomlin. I mean, this is really a sea change game. Now, unfortunately, um, well, fortunately or not, however you want to see it, that's not what the national media sees this as. You know, because two things happened with two young quarterbacks on Sunday, Matt. You had Justin Herbert, go on the road against Kansas City, their biggest division rival, and bring down Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, I I will not sit here and say that the Bengals' win was more impressive than what the Chargers ended up doing. But that was a significant win in Justin Herbert's ascension. And I think the same thing happened in the AFC North on Sunday. You had Joe Burrow with the best passer grade from PFF of any quarterback. He had his second highest passer rating. I, you know, 77% completion percentage. Again, he barely had to throw 14 of 18, 172 yards, three touchdowns in Heinz field. 
the AFC West is always a little more high scoring than the AFC North. I, I just think that this was a significant win for the Cincinnati Bengals because, and it's already happened on the press conference today, Joe Mixon says Joe Burrow has his swag back. Mm. Now, they never claimed it went away. But after an injury and the way he got hit to start the season, you did kind of feel a little bit of, I don't know. I don't know. And I will admit, Matt, on Saturday night, the deep, uh, you know, I get really dark on Saturday nights. (laughs) Don't we all? Because I have a long shift on Saturday and the game's coming up and I just get like really sad and dark. And I sent a text message and and I really probably shouldn't, you know, and, and you know me. I sent a text message out, and I said this to people I knew from Athens, and and I said it to everybody. I said, tonight is the first night since Joe Burrow was transferring from Ohio State that I have any doubt at all that he can do it, that he can actually change the circumstances of the Cincinnati Bengals. Where where did this doubt creep in from? Um, It's just a whole week of rewatching the Bears game. There was something Mm -hmm. off. There was something weird. And I was in that stadium, Matt, and it was a pretty depressing first half, a pretty depressing empty first half. And, you know, it just was this feeling of, I don't know, is there doubt? And his attitude in the press conference, I'll never do it again. I'll never do it again. And that's what franchise quarterbacks do. They make you they they make you as a fan go don't do that, don't yeah. don't ever doubt me like that, especially not as a Bengals fan. Don't don't do it, and I I'm not gonna ever do it again, because he just is everything this franchise needs from a leader. He gave the team the swag, the confidence necessary to go out and win like that at Pittsburgh. I don't care how old Ben Roethlisberger is or not. So I'm done down and go Joe Burrow. Um, although I, I'd say it was only like 2% doubt, Matt. I wasn't exactly, (laughs) I wasn't completely off the ship. I was like, I just don't know if he can overcome the Bengals. You had Um, your, your barometer on a scale of one to 10 went from the, the 11 that it's been at to like a 9.9. No, it honestly, my barometer fell to like six or seven on Saturday. Yeah, it really did fall. Because listen, I mean, what the what the the crap this team was putting Joe Burrow through in terms of the pressure and the hits and the sacks, and it just felt like I didn't even know if he if he could run the same or if he's even willing to run the same. You just don't know. You have to see it, and we saw it. We saw the scrambling. We saw the movement. <laughs> the scrambling. We saw that when he had what four people on him, he somehow magically got out of that. Still, almost got the first down. He had one that he had that one play where he kind of audible it hit himself. No one knew it was going to be a quarterback draw, and he just went for it. Um, a long, long third down. If he would have gotten out of the pocket, gotten across the the uh, line of scrimmage, he probably would have had a first down there too. He was not not stopping himself from running. The knee looked great. Oh yeah, I I, I think that this was the first game that he allowed himself to let the knee look great. I, I just yeah. think that it's, and it's going to get better and better. Needs going to get more comfortable. And that's the thing about this Bengals offense, Matt, is I feel like they're pretty, they're pretty solid right now, but they're only operating at about 50% capacity. I mean, because this offense last year without Jamar Chase, which we'll talk about in a second, but without Jamar Chase, Matt, last year, 
this offense still was the league leader in points per drive for a whole month. They barely punted for a whole month. And they've got some pretty weak defenses coming up on the schedule. They've got potential for a lot more points and a lot more yards and a lot more time of possession than they've had this year. And that's exciting because the team's damn two and one. I mean, this is a real Bengals season now. We we better buckle up because knock on wood, if they remain decently healthy, this this team's going to be competitive week in and week out. They'll beat teams they should beat, and they'll challenge everybody in the division. I don't think the Ravens and Browns look at Sunday and go, Bengals are going to be an easy team to beat. I, I, I don't think anybody looks at that. I, I think after after this past weekend, after they went into Pittsburgh and dismantled the Steelers, everyone should be put on notice now. If they can do that, which is something that they have not been able to do in decades, now th- there is no team that is not beatable if everything is is working right for the Bengals. And you mentioned last season, that was when Joe Burrow looked great. He was setting he was setting passing records and yards and he was throwing 40, 45 times a game. He only threw 18 times. Joe Mixon looked great. Play calling was probably the best that I've seen this season so far. They were they were going on all cylinders there. Yeah, I still don't trust any of that. Like, that's the thing, though, is I think a lot of the issues are still, they're creeping around. And I think they'll rear its head again because I don't trust Zach Taylor as a consistent coach. And that's why I'm still sticking by my preseason prediction of 9-8. and eight. Because... 9-8, and eight, yeah. This team, I think that's what that Bears game was. I think that I kind of discounted that they're a young and inexperienced team with a young and inexperienced head coach. That means there's going to be some weeks where it looks like they just forgot how to play football. I mean, I I really think that you still have a rookie right guard. You still have Quentin Spain. In much respect to Quentin Spain, he's still out there at left guard. You still have a center recovering from an ACL injury. So there are going to be times, there are going to be games where it looks really ugly. I, I, I still think that's going to happen because Zach Taylor is nothing close to a genius. Nothing close to a genius. And Sunday's performance certainly doesn't change my mind about that because I, I'd say the worst moment of the game was Zach Taylor's timeout before Joe Burrow won the game with his cadence. Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing? That was incredible. What you are you doing? Trust like, him. Wait, what's happening? Did he get him? He got him off. Oh no! It's a it's an off. Yeah, it's a, we're calling a timeout for some reason. That Zach Zach always does that crap. He tries to control the game too much sometimes because he's I, I don't know that in that situation Joe knows that you've got a timeout. Let Joe decide to use the timeout or not. Yeah, you know, and he didn't even let him try a hard count before he used a timeout. I mean, that to me was, I mean, that would have been a real bad situation had the Steelers actually had some competence on offense and they gave the football back there. I mean, that was just, and that's the thing is every game, Zach is going to do something like that because the Bengals admitted it themselves. This is a head coach that is developing on the job. They've said that on the record. So when it's something like that, you're going to see that week in a week out, and I still think that's going to be a problem for this Bengals team moving forward. But right now, I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried. I, I swear, I had some people talking about playoffs to me yesterday, and I'm like, you guys are out of your mind. You know what I'm worried about? I'm worried that we just beat the Steelers, 
and we've got the Jacksonville Jaguars on Thursday. We have the Lions two weeks after that. We have big divisional games heading into buys after that. This season is in front of us. This season has some exciting games that matter, that are important, that the Bengals have a winning record for coming up. And that, to me, is just more exciting than anything we've experienced as Bengals fans over the past few years, that I don't want to talk about the freaking playoffs. Are you kidding me? That's another curse. Yeah, exactly. That's that's another that's another curse that this franchise has to break, and that's not something that's not coming until after Christmas. So why on earth would I sit here and worry about it in week three? Right now, I just want this team to be the young, exciting, offensive firepower. Joe Burrow's incredible. Wow, we've got these receivers for three years. That's what I'm excited for in this first half of the season. I really don't want to talk about the division or the playoff race or anything like that because just beat Jacksonville on Thursday then beat the Packers in an upset after that, then go beat the frickin' Lions, then go beat the Ravens, then go beat the Browns, just one game at a time. And I think the team has that type of attitude, and I I think that'll help them out. Because I'm just worried to sit here, Matt, and get super excited about Zach Taylor winning playoff games in this city because I still think that's that's a little too crazy to imagine. I mean... It would be it would be riding the coattails of Joe Burrow if that were to happen. Jack would he, he would just have to stay out of his way. But I mean, I get that. If we're if we're checking off the big boxes of things that have not happened for the Bengals in a very long time, beating the Steelers at Heinz Field by double digit points, boom, checked off. Okay, what's next? And if a play uh, like a playoff game is, is going to be one of the, the big major check boxes coming from that. But I think you're right. The Bengals need to focus a game at a time. They need to, to not have these, we forget how to play football type of games. Cause if you string three of those together, you're going to take all of the air and the momentum out of the season. If you keep winning, even if they're close games and, and staying healthy and the entire team is working together, then, that's going to bring more momentum. We're going to be able to check that box at the end of the season based on how we do in the middle. Yeah. And just for everybody's note's sake, um, I want to do this exercise real quick, Matt. You count up on your fingers, okay? Okay. I'm going to go through the Bengals schedule, and I'm going to tell you the teams that they are better than, okay? Bengals, Jags, they're better than the Jags. They aren't, mm-hmm. better, they aren't better than the Packers, but they're better than the Lions, They're better than the Jets. They aren't better than the Ravens or the Browns. They're better than the Steelers. Um, And I think they're better than the Broncos. So that's the teams that they're for sure better than that are left on the schedule. So, I mean, this is, I think, I think they're hitting the Vegas over about seven wins. And then I've Mm -hmm. got about one or two upsets tied in there to get them to nine. But, I, this team's got a high ceiling in front of them because the offense has only reached 50% capacity. And a huge reason for that, Matt, is somehow, some way, despite how much you and I hyped him up, or specifically me, both on the both in the Chronicle with some of the articles I wrote, both on the 3 a.m. Coney, everywhere, everywhere I had an opportunity to talk about it, we were hyping Jamar Chase. And he has surpassed and blown away those expectations. He is a smoother route runner than I thought he'd be coming in. He is a Mm -hmm. faster player than I thought he'd be coming in. And uh, after the preseason, he has much better hands than I think we all thought he would have coming into the NFL. He is better than Justin Jefferson. 
I think that by the end of the season, if you're not considering Jamar Chase one of the 10 best receivers in the league, you're going to have something wrong with you. I think he's that explosive, that dangerous. I think that, I, I don't know how the Jaguars are going to guard him. I, I really don't. Huh. And I think this is, good. this is a special, special, special player the Bengals have gotten themselves. I mean, a special player. And that's what he needed to be as the fifth pick at a wide receiver when you had other need, other needs. He needed yep. to be special. Did I think he'd be this special this early doing things that even Randy Moss didn't do? No. But buckle up, ladies and gentlemen, because Jamar Chase is only going to get better. And Joe Burrow and him are only going to build trust and experience. This is their first year together. They're in their early 20s. Wait till Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow are hooking up when they just turned 29 and are on their second contract in the NFL. Like, yeah. think about how special that can be. I, I mean, it's just because Jamar finally went up to Joe, said, bro, throw me the ball. Just throw it. I know I don't look open, but I'll be open. Trust me. It ain't that much different than the SEC. Just throw it up. And that's what they did. And, and that's going to start happening more and more and more and more and more. I, uh, the ceiling is high. The ceiling is the roof, as, as much as Michael Jordan once said. Yeah, see, I... I was going to bring that up. If you didn't, I absolutely love that. That Chase was like, just, just throw it, throw it in the end zone. Just throw it up. I'll, I'll get there. And it didn't even look like he had that much separation. But then by the time he caught the ball, he was, he was, no one was, he wasn't being touched. And it's just like, okay, that chemistry that we knew that they had at LSU, if, if that could come over into the, the, this season for the NFL, for, for the Bengals, that would be, incredible because you don't get that you don't get these these quarterbacks and wide receivers that play together in college just bring them copy paste over into the nfl like it's a new person it's it's new new chemistry that you have to try to deal with uh, alongside all of the other things that the nfl has in terms of challenges and we're seeing the the best case scenario for them coming out of LSU and still having that chemistry where it's just, just, just throw it up to me. Just, just throw it up. I'll catch it. And Joe Burrow has done that dozens, hundreds of times for him. And he goes, Oh, okay. I know where you like it. Boom. Right there. Yeah. And, and what's scary is like Joe's at 79 pass attempts and six of them should be Jamar chase deep touchdowns. Yeah. There's two, there's two plays that well, two things happen. One, Joe threw him out of bounds. Two, Jamar didn't stack and get a little more off the sideline to make the throw easier on Joe. Those are things that'll get better over time. And then they'll be able to communicate and, and be linked up even more. And this is against three secondaries that have Harrison Smith, an all-pro deep safety, Minka Fitzpatrick, a former all-pro deep safety, and Eddie Jackson, a former all-pro deep safety. So that's three teams with three elite players in their secondaries players that are supposed to do stop deep targets. And Jamar Chase should have six 30-plus yard touchdowns in the first three games. Yeah, he, he only has the three, which is still a record. Yeah, and he's got another one just in the red zone. And I don't think they've even got him fully involved in the intermediate and dragsers and crosses and slants where he can start breaking tackles. Again, this offense is at 50% capacity. I I, I just think that this offense at its absolute ceiling, they're the only team that offensively can be as, <gasps> as the Chiefs. Mm. I, 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 I'm not afraid to say that. At its peak, this team, 
at its very peak, everybody healthy, everybody clicking, there's only one offense that makes you go, <gasps> more. And that's Kansas City. And that's because Patrick Mahomes might be God on earth with a football in his hands. And Joe's not Patrick Mahomes, but when he's got the weapons that he has, but I I don't think he'll ever be Patrick Mahomes. He'll just be, you don't have to be Patrick Mahomes to be better than Patrick Mahomes. It'll never be that style. It'll never be rolling out eight, nine seconds and then firing one 80 yards, crossed his body to Tyreek Hill, who's wide open. It'll be this hyper-efficient Aaron Rodgers style, dice you up, down the sideline, dice you up, down the sideline, some off script plays, and you just can't stop him because he's making the perfect decisions every single time, and he's dropping balls into receivers who are hyper-talented. I mean, they just have an, they have an unbelievable ceiling. They showed it for four weeks last year, Matt, when they were the best offense in the league, better than the Chiefs in points per drive, and I think there's going to be a stretch this season that they show it as well. Now we can talk about the defense because if that offense hits their ceiling, if they have a top 10 defense, now you're talking about a 12-13 win team, Matt, because the defense is top 10 right now. Yeah, defenses look incredible. That that was one of the things that was missing with this, this whole Steelers and Bengals rivalry was the offense could start to click, but then the Steelers would just go down and score another touchdown. And so the fact that they were able to hold them to the seven points, get that fourth down stop, a sack Ben six times, bluster him every single time. I, I it just it, that was the game changer for me because that took so much pressure off of the offense where they were able to just go down the field, figure out exactly what they needed to do, put points on the board. It didn't matter because the defense was going to stop. Yeah, well, in this defense, if they pull off four sacks on Thursday night, they will have matched the sack total from last season. They just need four sacks. That's a big st- That's a pretty fun stat. If they get four sacks in the first month of play, they'll have matched the sack total from all of last season. Right now, they're on pace for 57 sacks, which would probably end up leading the NFL or be close to it. Um, so the I don't, know, I don't know if you can I don't know if you can hear this this guy with a leaf blower. It was coming by my car, just blowing leaves directly into me. <laughs> but that, that's why it's randomly getting loud for a second. I heard it a touch. I was like, I wonder what that is. But <laughs> is Matt going He's through staring it? right at me, just, just blowing an entire <laughs> giant pile of leaves to, into my car. Well, I hope you're all right. Yeah, you know, you don't need to go for any uh, violence there, Matt. But, <laughs> um, okay, how about, let's talk about the national media. You know what? Do you want to talk more Bengals and the national media reaction to them this week or what their reaction could be if they start three and one? Or would you rather go negative and talk about the frickin' Cincinnati Reds? Mm, you know what? The Reds are winning right now, so that's great. We can do we can do a quick little little halftime here to talk about the Reds, just like a sentence for all of the other sports. We got Reds. 1% chance to make the playoffs. They're pretty much dead. Joey Votto just hit a home run. That's awesome. That's um, next year, maybe next year. I hope uh, no. I hope Castellanos comes back. I absolutely no. love him on this team. Let me tell you how dark it is for the Reds right now. I have a buddy of mine mm-hmm. who has had research of his written in the Society of American Baseball Research. Right? He has He has worked for organizations in Major League Baseball. 
right, doing some scouting and stuff, okay? So this is a guy that knows baseball, that likes baseball, that pays attention to baseball. This is a guy that when I knew him, even when the Reds were a 100-loss, near 100-loss team, he would find a way to at least watch three innings of every Reds game, no matter whether we were out drinking, no matter whether he had a recital for his siblings. It did not matter. He would always watch at least three innings or at least one inning if things were really bad or he was really busy of every single Reds game since he was like five years old. Dang. And he has lost so much confidence in the ownership and the structure of the Cincinnati Reds that he has told me that he's done doing that. It's done. So he is done doing that. He is done giving the Castellini family the commitment to the Cincinnati Reds that they are asking for. And and the point that I want to make, Matt, is that what frustrates me is that it's not that the Reds suck. It's not that the Reds are not putting it together. It's not that the ownership sucks. Listen, that happens all across baseball. That happens all across sports. That happens in Cincinnati sports. Look, Yop Stom just got fired. I don't think FC Cincinnati knows what they're doing. I have no idea. I mean, how often has Mike Brown been criticized up and down by the Cincinnati media and everybody alike, right? Mm-hmm. I And I'm totally okay with that. Whatever, I get over it. What I cannot get over with the Cincinnati Reds is that the media that covers the team has refused to criticize this ball club for 12 years. They have defended every single move since the playoff runs in the early of the, in the beginning parts of the decade. They have defended every single move. They've defended it hand in hand. They defended the Johnny Cueto trade. They defended the Homer Bailey extension. They defended dumping Aroldis Chapman. They defended getting rid of Jay Bruce. Uh, they defended the Joey Votto contract extension, which now looks really smart, and that was a good move, a good one to defend, but no questions at all. Hey, 10, 12-year contract, I don't know, is this smart? They've not asked any questions over the last 10, 12 years. They, they, they don't question the hiring. They don't question a two-year contract extension for a manager that made, a playoff, that made the playoffs in a shortened season. I mean, what the Reds just admitted here, Matt, by giving a contract extension is that the goal of this season was not to make the playoffs. Because yeah. if, the goal is, if the goal of the season was to make the playoffs and David Bell's the manager and the roster's good enough, then he should have made the playoffs. But he didn't. And you gave him a contract extension. So now you're, now you're telling everybody what the stated goal of the organization was. Plus, you have your minor league hitting and pitching director quit because your, your organization doesn't want to keep with their methods, those methods that have reclaimed the Reds' farm organization, a, a farm system that had collapsed in the middle of the decade. A farm system being bad that led to the worst five-year stretch of Reds baseball in their history, and the media is still going to stand there and hold the hand of ownership throughout all of this? Why? Because they won a few World Series in the 70s? Like, is that really where we're at with the Reds? And that's just the thing I don't understand, is the Cincinnati media is ready to claw everybody's eyes out. I mean, from Zach Taylor when he coached at Cincinnati to Brian Kelly when he left the Bearcats to everything. Hell, I've seen more critiques of the Cincinnati Cyclones than I have of the Cincinnati Reds over the last seven years. It's, It's only coming from the fans. And then every time a move is made or a decision is put down by ownership that is controversial. All I'm reading is 10 bloggers and three beat writers saying, well, this is what this, this is smart. This is what a smart team does. 
Well, if they were so goddamn smart for the last 10 years and every decision they've made over the last 10 years were so smart, you think they'd have made the playoffs more than just one time in a pandemic-shortened season. I mean, but that's just where I'm at with it. I, like, I don't, like, the Reds can be bad. I, but let's not sit here and defend Bob Castellini like he's some sort of good owner just because the team made the playoffs twice at the beginning of the decade. Or last decade, excuse me. So I, I, that's where I'm at with the Reds. I, I, you know, I get it. They're going to turn around one day. There is some talent there. I love the players on the roster. I really do. But I'm just tired of excuses. Why don't we treat them like the Bengals? They've been, yeah. they've been as bad as the Bengals since 1995. They've been equally as bad. Yeah, you're absolutely right there. And that's, I think that, that it, it was all anti-Mike Brown for the past decade. And I think that is switching into more of a anti-Bob Castellini because the, the, the Reds team should have had a lot better of seasons. They should have made some better moves. And it's very obvious that, that Bob doesn't give a shit. Mike Brown, it, it has seemed in the past few years that Mike Brown was just kind of sitting in his hole. He had no idea what anyone was saying about him. He didn't really care, but more to the point where he didn't realize that he should have cared or he, he didn't realize that, that the fans were asking for certain things. It's like, he didn't even hear them at all. And now all of a sudden it's, it, it, it's a, it's a minuscule effort, but it's, it's enough that you're looking at the Bengals and you're going, okay, maybe Mike Brown isn't the worst NFL. Uh, it, it may, maybe he is, he is coming around here. And he's he got we we got Joe Burrow. We have a new era here. Bob is now the the guy that needs to be run out of town yeah. and not as much Mike Brown. Well, you know what's funny though? Um, I was at an ownership meeting, not an ownership meeting, a meeting where some ownership was there. Phil Castellini, the son of Bob, and one of the mm-hmm. one of the leaders of the Cincinnati Reds organization. And I asked them a question when they were in the middle of this rough stretch. I asked a question, a bunch of media members were there. I asked a question like, hey, hey, Phil, um, you know, there's kind of a race happening in the city for a team to win a playoff game at home. There's two new stadiums that literally haven't seen a playoff win since they were built, and they were built shortly after 9-11. Mm. Like, it's, it's been a minute. That war is over now. It's a long war, too. Like, it's, you've got two stadiums that haven't seen a playoff win in it. And then... What does he do? He points over at the Bengals stadium across the way, which you can see through the glass. And he goes, well, I don't know what they're doing over there. And the whole room laughs. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, the Bengals are so awful. Ha, ha, ha. They're so poorly run. Ha, 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 Well, since uh, your father bought the team there, Phil, uh, who has more division titles? The Bengals. Mm. Who has more playoff appearances? The Bengals. Mm. Who beats their rivals more consistently? The Bengals. Who has more winning seasons? The Bengals. Who's had more star players? Actually, the Reds, because Joey Votto, MVP, Trevor Bauer, Cy Young. So you can give that That's one right. to the Reds. You can give that one to the Reds. Um, but I, I don't know why we're laughing so much about the Bengals if you're the Reds. I, I think by every objective measure, since Bob Castellini has bought the Cincinnati Reds, Mike Brown has been a better owner. And that is embarrassing. It's embarrassing as hell. That's a, low, that's a low bar. That's a low bar. And seriously, hey, Reds fans, because you know what's also the most annoying thing in the city of Cincinnati? All you Reds fans who don't want to be Bengals fans. 
because, oh, the organization's too bad. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah, well, the team you cheer for and the organization you cheer for, which I also cheer for, the Reds, they also don't know what the hell they're doing. And just because the big red machine existed doesn't mean you get to diss the Bengals for 40 years after. And that's what, that's what Reds, I mean, I had a Reds fan come up to me in the city of Chicago the other day and go, oh, who are the Bungles playing tomorrow? I'm like, Bungles? Bungles? (laughs) What about the Reds who had their arch rival dead to rights in a playoff race, had the easiest schedule remaining, and then just shat down their own leg? Bungles. Bungles, yeah. Uh, The Reds have been bungling just as many things in my life as the Cincinnati Bengals have. So that's where I'm at with the Cincinnati Reds. I'm pretty much very frustrated, as you can tell, Matt. Yeah, I can tell. And, and, and it's absolutely warranted. Yeah, I mean, just, and I know them. FC Cincinnati gets grace because they're so bad. It's so bad, it's almost funny. Um, Yop Stomp yeah, fired. Yeah, and they're, and they're, so, they're so new. It's like walking, watching a toddler try to walk, and they hit the wall, and then they, like, uh, they're just bleeding and you're like, oh, gee, you know, you got a bloody nose. Well, you're trying, you know, maybe when you grow up, you won't run into the wall. Yeah, but the Reds and Bengals have grown up. They are old organizations and they need to they figure it out. They need to figure it out. But I, in that segment, wasn't trying to defend the Bengals and Mike Brown. I think anybody that's listening to this show understands that. Um, that that segment was to that's just that's just to show how low the bar is, and that Bob is still way under that. Yeah, it's, uh, he's under the bar, you know. Well, how many managers has Bob Castellini fired since since he bought the team? How many coaches have the Bengals had too? So yeah. I mean, like, there's just been way less turnover. There's been more consistency. There's been more winning. There's been more national relevance from the Cincinnati Bengals since Bob Castellini bought the team, and I, I just think that. They should, that whole family needs to look themselves in the mirror and realize that they're not smarter than that team across the way that they decide to laugh at every chance they get, you know, because they pretend, they pretend to put on this happy little face between each other, the Reds and the Bengals. Those organizations don't get along. They, they don't, they, they have very opposite theories and ways of going about doing their business. And I don't think they like each other. I especially don't think the families of the two ownership groups like each other. Um, so that's an interesting thing going on in the city, Matt, you got anything else interesting going on this week before we get out of here? I mean, not, not, I am, I'm very much looking forward to football this week. Are you going to the Thursday game? I'm not going to the Thursday game. No, no. Come tailgating. Like what's your, are you busy? I might tailgate. Well, we'll, we'll see what I do, but I'm definitely for the Bearcats and Notre Dame. The revenge game against Brian Kelly. I am very excited for that. That's taking up my entire Saturday. You going to go up to South Bend? No, no. Just going to have a have a watch party, have some people over. Um, but I've, I'm going to be looking forward to that game. Well, Every I got a second until then. Well, Matt, I'm telling you what, man, you got to come out to our tailgate. You know, I'm, we're going to be a bunch of people from Athens will be around. I'll be in um, for the Thursday night game. So there you go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll we'll try to link up and and get it rolling. Well, I, I don't really I don't really have anything else to say. It's been such a good week. I'm actually normally I'm floating a little more after Bengal Steelers, but to me, this win is completely erased if you don't take care of business on Thursday night. This is a yep. must, must, must. Not just win, must impress game. This is a must impress game. 
If you want to get on people's radars, if you want people to start to really respect you as a team that can maybe be that surprise playoff team, not only do you need to beat Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence, you need to show the world that Urban Meyer was an idiot for putting Joe Burrow on the bench behind Dwayne Haskins. And you need to show the world that they were an idiot for calling Trevor Lawrence this godsend prodigy best number one pick since when Joe Burrow was just a pretty damn good number one pick the year before. So that a lot on the line Thursday night. It needs to be impressive. It needs to be explosive. It needs to be the best showing this team's had this year um, for me to start coming on this show and going like, okay, playoffs. Okay. Contention. And it's exciting. It's exciting. We're even there, Matt. It's it, but that now that you mentioned that it, it is massive. These five days from the from the Steelers game on Sunday to Thursday night football, you have two massive boxes that can be checked with winning at Heinz, double digits to prime time, Trevor Lawrence, Urban Meyer. That's you get back to back wins and you're three and one going into the rest of the season. That is that is massive. Yeah, this is what you would say. If they can win by double digits against Jacksonville, you'll have said we had two double-digit wins. We had a double-digit lead over Minnesota Mm -hmm. um, before we gave it away at the end of the game. And we were a tackle on third and nine from coming back and going 4-0 and beating the Bears. And I think the Steelers, Bears, and Vikings are about 500 teams. I think Jacksonville is going to be one of the worst teams in the league. So if you go 2-1 and against three 500 teams with good pass rushes, um, I know the Steelers were hurt, but still solid pass rushes. And then you blow out the team you're supposed to be. That's what playoff teams do. That's how playoff teams handle four game stretches like that. Great teams would have beaten the Bears. and But I don't think any of us thought this was a great team. I don't think anybody thought this was a great team. So that first half against the Bears might be something that we should expect. All right, Matt, that's been the Coney. Uh, anything else before we get out of here, bud? No, that's it. Another good one. We, we got we got three separate rants in there for this one. Yeah, I I don't I don't, I don't keep track of my rants. I try not. I to. love it. I love it. <laughs> that's why we do it. That, yeah, you know, just to yell a little bit. <laughs> Bengals two and one. Who day, baby? But hey, take care of business. Thursday night football. See you next time. <laughs>